Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from T-Mobile Park in Seattle. It's the Seattle Mariners 3, the Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. Sorry, sometimes it's hard to keep the corporate names of all these new stadiums correct, so I had to look down really quick to make sure, yeah, T-Mobile Park. Um... I do enjoy watching baseball being played, but I'm only human. I'm, I'm a new dad who's getting barely any sleep still. And uh, a 10-10 start, I wasn't going to make it. Look, I made it until the seventh inning stretch. I think that's pretty impressive. I'd be shocked if a lot of local Clevelanders were able to make it all the way to the end of the game. A game that ends up going 11 innings after a 10-10 local start time. Like, it's just... Oh, man, it's it's a shame because this was such a good game. This was such a better game than Thursday, right, with the 4 o'clock start. And I doubt many Clevelanders were able to make it to the end of this thing. I mean, that's just, man, that's such a late start. If, I, if they ever named me commissioner of baseball, I definitely would make a rule that uh, I, when East Coast teams are on the West Coast, those games are not allowed to be 7 p.m. start times locally. It's just, it's brutal to the local fan base uh here on the east coast like god i i fought i tried i was in bed with headphones on watching on my phone i just you can't keep your eyes open after a certain point and so yeah i gave up at the seventh inning stretch and of course i miss i miss the big ending i miss all the stuff that goes i mean so much happens from the seventh inning stretch on in this game so many opportunities for both teams and it's it was like a boxing match where they were both getting in shots. Just nobody can knock the other one off their feet. They were they were gonna fight to a, you know a judge's decision in the eleventh round until finally Seattle knocks us off our feet. Right? They finally get the knockout blow. You don't want to know the the numbers with runners in scoring position. I'm gonna have to tell you if if you don't want to know, I understand. But I gotta tell you, the Guardians were. One for 15 with runners in scoring position. One for 15. So many opportunities. They just couldn't. They just couldn't. So many doubles. And Hedges is the only one who comes in to score in the third inning. Uh, Rosario with a double. Freeman with a double. Jimenez with a double. They couldn't bring him in to score. They load the bases at one point can't get it done so yeah the guardians definitely had their opportunities to win this thing i mean one for 15 the mariners on the other side were two for nine with runners in scoring position so they had less opportunities but in the bottom of the 11th inning mitch hanniger is able to get it done he's the hero two nights in a row remember he had the big three run home run in the first inning of thursday's game so he's the hero two nights in a row for seattle all right, let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of this game. And, uh, I mean, I'm going to kind of start in order. I'm going to kind of go in order for this one because, I mean, it starts off Shane Bieber is dominant. He was he was at ace level last night with the strikeouts. Uh, the velocity wasn't quite there on the four-seam fastball like it was in his last start. Uh, he only averaged 91.7, maxed out at 92.7. So, okay, the velocity wasn't there. He actually used the cutter a ton 
Throws the cutter more than any pitch on the night. 30 times he throws the cutter. Uh, was he doing it just to lefties? Let's look at that left-handers versus right-handers. And uh, left-handers, yeah, we're getting majority of the cutters. The lefties were getting ton of cutters, and he was attacking all four quadrants with that cutter, just pounding the strike zone with it. They could not make good contact off of it. Uh, they uh, they were swinging at it. 18 swings, only three whiffs. They fouled off seven and put eight in play, but an average exit velocity of only 76.8. So really having a hard time squaring up that cutter from those left-handed hitters. Uh, but they got a ton of cutters. They got a ton of knuckle curves and a four, a couple of fastballs, forcing fastballs sprinkled in there. One change in one slider. So not really using those pitches against left-handed batters. Against right-handed batters, they're getting a ton of sliders. A ton. Just pounding that down-and-away zone, that glove zone for Shane Bieber with the slider. And then high fastballs. Throwing fastballs, keeping everything away from the right-handed hitters. Nothing down and in to a right-handed hitter the entire night. So that was the game plan for Shane Bieber. And it was effective. I mean... His final box score on the night, he goes seven innings pitched, five hits, two runs, only one earned. Yeah, the Guardians did make some errors. They did make some errors in the background there. Uh, They're credited with only two errors. There was another one that hit off Naylor's glove that got changed from an error to an eventual hit. Uh, So it could have been three errors there. And Tyler Freeman, unfortunately, makes both of them. Uh, One a fielding error, one a throwing error. So playing third base, getting an opportunity to start on the field, and he ends up making two errors. That's a rough night for Tyler Freeman. So it's two runs, one earned, no walks, nine strikeouts for Shane Bieber. On 93 pitches, he's only hard hit six times. Really dominant with the nine strikeouts. I mean, he had them a lot. A couple of these were looking, too. Uh, So how did he do it? Uh, Let's go to all batters, not just the right-handed batters. And uh, he did it with a bunch of pitches down to that glove side. One was a called strike uh, to Eugenio Suarez. He froze him with a four-seam fastball. But then he got some chase, I mean, right at the knees, right at the bottom of the strike zone. He got Jesse Winker chasing a cutter down there. He got Julio Rodriguez chasing a slider. He got Carlos Santana chasing a knuckle curve down there. He got Mitch Hanniger uh down and away with a uh, chasing a slider down and away out of the strike zone. Uh, and then a couple of called strikes. He got he froze Julio Rodriguez in the first inning with a fastball. Uh, he got Eugenio Suarez with a slider at the top of the zone. And then he freezes Sam Haggerty with a knuckle curve just off the plate on his arm side. He was getting some calls there on those called strikes. But uh, that's how he did it. Three sliders, two knuckle curves. One cutter and two fastballs. So really using all of his pitches for strikeouts. That's how good Shane Bieber was last night. How locked in he was. Going to the uh, player breakdown page. The whiff rate on the slider and the knuckle curve. It's what you would expect. A 56% whiff rate on the slider. A 63% whiff rate on the knuckle curve. Add in some called strikes. Both pitches are over 50% CSW. It's a 37% CSW total on the day. So Bieber was at ace level. Now, uh, I'm going to save everything from the seventh inning stretch on. Because that's a storyline within itself. That's a game within itself. Uh, Everything up until that point was sack flies and good defense. 
So the Guardians, in fact, both teams, both teams score their two runs in regulation baseball, in regular innings, via sack flies. Neither team can come up with a huge hit. In the third inning, it would be uh, it would be Austin Hedges getting things going for the Guardians with a uh, with a double. Miles Straw would line out and he would advance to third, and then Stephen Kwan with a sack fly to center field brings in the run to score. All right, nice little job there of getting that run in. Uh, they would answer back uh, in the fifth inning. Uh, Carlos Santana would single. Adam Frazier would move him up to second with a sack bunt. Uh, Cal Raleigh with a flyout, which we will talk about. If you know which flyout this is, it's coming. We're going to talk about it. Uh, but it does move Santana up to third. And uh, oh, that's right. Frazier was safe on the sack bunt. That was the error by Tyler Freeman, I believe. Yeah, so it goes down as still a sacrifice bunt attempt. But it's an error by Tyler Freeman. So they were safe at first and second. The Cal Raleigh flyout allows the runners to move up. And then J.P. Crawford hits one deep to center field, but it goes as a sack fly, and Santana is able to come in to score to tie the game. All right, let's get into it now. Before we keep going on here, we've got to talk about the defensive plays. So uh, leading up to this, there were some good defensive plays leading up into this fifth inning. Uh, Santana made a nice diving stop to his right for the Mariners. Jimenez made a nice diving stop to his uh, left, uh, getting one deep in the home, throwing someone out earlier in the game. Hedges, a great job throwing out a base runner trying to steal second. They had to review it, but he definitely nailed the runner there. Then we get to this fifth inning. Cal Raleigh comes up, and he bloops one down the left field line. It's curving towards foul territory. And here comes evil Quanneville, Stephen Quan, with no regard for his body, like a WWF wrestler jumping off the top of the cage. I mean, no regard for his body just flies into the stands, makes the catch, lands squarely with his belly on the corner of a seat, and knocks the wind out of himself. Uh, He's able to get the ball in, which was pretty incredible. He gets the ball to Rosario so that he can at least run in and hold the runners a second and third. But, I mean, literally, uh, Straw had to run over, and Quan was gasping for breath, couldn't take a breath. And, uh, you know, he tells him, Straw tells him, breathe through your nose. Quan said this after the game. Straw told him, breathe through your nose. And he was able to get his breath back. And so, yeah, he's probably going to have some sore ribs uh, this morning. But he didn't break a rib. I mean, when you saw him rolling around on the ground, that's what you thought. You thought, this guy just cracked a rib on a seat out there. No, he just knocked the wind out of himself really bad. Really bad. I mean, it's probably something you haven't experienced since you were a little kid. But, uh, yeah, it's one of the weirdest, worst feelings ever I'm to not be able to take a breath in, uh, to have to kind of reset your diaphragm. Uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, Quan literally sacrificed his body. Unbelievable. I mean, he, he caught, not only unbelievable that he sacrificed his body, unbelievable that he caught this thing in the air. I mean, he he was in the air. He was literally floating through the air when he made the catch and then came down on that seat. So, I mean, to, to, to leap like that, to make that catch midair, to hold on to it, you're not coming down on the grass where you expect to come down most of the times when you ju- leap as an outfielder. 
You're not coming down on that nice, soft, wet grass. You're coming down on a hard seat. Uh, it's just unbelievable from Stephen Kwan. Unbelievable. Evil Kwan Nevil. That's got to go up there as a new nickname for Stephen. Along with King Kwan, along with Obi Kwanobi, uh, it's got to go up there with another nickname for Stephen Kwan. Uh, I still want to make that t-shirt. Man, I got to get around to making that t-shirt. Um, so yeah, not only that, you think, is this guy going to be able to stay in the game? They showed him in his warm-up. He's supposed to lead off the sixth inning. He, he like caught a piece of wet grass taking some warm-up swings and almost knocked himself down on his warm-up swing. So you're thinking, is, any, is something really wrong with Quan after this dive? But no, he comes up, has a good at-bat, and ends up lacing a single in the left field, shooting it the other way to lead off the sixth inning. Ahmed Rosario would single behind him. And then this is where, I mean, so many times this happens in the game. Not only were they tagging up and scoring from third, they were tagging up from second to get the third. So Ramirez lines out. Quan's able to move up to third. And then Naylor with a sack fly smokes one in the right field, but it goes as a sack fly and brings Quan in to score. So we take the two to one lead. That's where I give up. I fall asleep. I mean, Tyler Freeman with a one out double in the seventh. This is what I'm talking about opportunities. Freeman with a one out double. Uh, Austin Hedges singles, but Freeman doesn't get a good jump, so he can't score. And then Miles Straw would fly out weakly. And then Quan would line out, unfortunately, to end things. Uh, and they can't bring Freeman in to score. They can't get that insurance run, which would have been so huge. Uh, and then he stays out there. Bieber stays out there for the seventh inning. Starts off with back-to-back singles from Eugenio Suarez, Carlos Santana singles, and then Adam Frazier delivers the sack fly that brings in the tying run. Cal Raleigh with a ground into a double play to end any further threat, but the Mariners do their job, and they tie it up on another sack fly. So every run that comes into score in regular baseball via the sack fly. So then, uh, they shut us down one, two, three in the eighth inning. We're going to talk about the bullpens in a second here. They have their chance in the top of the eighth. Uh, who was pitching for us in the top of the eighth? This would be uh, Trevor Steffen comes in. After Karinczak strikes out the... S- oh, no, this is Karinczak, right? Bieber pitches the seventh. This is Karinczak in the eighth inning. A leadoff walk. You're thinking, oh, no, here we go. Another Karinczak inning. But no, he strikes out the side after that. Gets Jesse Winker on a high curveball that gets Jesse Winker thrown out of the game. Gets their manager thrown out of the game. Uh, at this point. So you're feeling like the momentum is on your side. Andres Jimenez then starts off the ninth inning with a double, a leadoff double, but they can't bring him in to score. Oscar Gonzalez would ground out. Tyler Freeman with a, a weak, shallow flyout can't bring the runner in to score. And then Palacios pinch hits for the catcher, and he pops out uh, to end the threat. They can't bring him in to score. Three guys with runners in scoring position can't get it done in the top of the ninth inning. Now, Granted, they're facing a really, really good Mariners bullpen at this point. But they can't get it done. So we go to the bottom of the ninth now. Uh, This is Trevor Steffen pitching for us. They get a leadoff double. Both teams start the ninth inning with leadoff doubles. He's able to then strike out Eugenio Suarez, strike out Santana. He does give up a single to Adam Frazier, but it can't bring the runner in to score. And then Cal Raleigh would ground out. Cal Raleigh left a lot of runners on base. Uh, Cal Raleigh would ground out to end the threat in the ninth inning. Trevor Steffen is able to get out of it. 
All right, so we go to the 10th inning. We start with that guy on second base. It's Luke Maley out there on second base. Miles Straw to kick things off. Ugh, man, Miles Straw. Another 0 for day for Miles Straw in that nine hole. It's bad. It is really, really bad. Strikes out here in the 10th inning. Can't move the runner over. Can't get it done. You got one job there, and that's to get the runner to third, and he can't get it done. Quan, of course, draws a walk. And then Ahmed Rosario grounds into a double play to end the threat in the 10th inning. Oh, boy. Here we go. Okay. They start with their runner on second in the 10th. It's still Trevor Steffen out there. Uh, a sack bunt from uh, J.P. Crawford moves him up to third base. They go and get Nick Sandlin. And Sandlin, with a runner on third base, strikes out Ty France. He strikes out Dylan Moore. Unbelievable job by uh, Sandlin. Gets both of his strikeouts via the slider down at the knees. Uh, the one to uh, Ty France is way out of the strike zone on an 0-2 count. The one to Dylan Moore is down at the knees. Right, It was in the strike zone, but it was down at the knees and gets him to chase it on a 1-2 count. So a great job by Sandlin uh, of getting those strikeouts there. I mean, huge, huge, huge moment for Sandlin. With that runner on third base, strikes out two Seattle hitters. All right, Cleveland comes up in the 11th. Again, we've got that runner on. And again, they can't get him in. Uh, They intentionally walk Jose Ramirez. Naylor hits into a force out. He's able to beat it out. It's not a double play. Uh, So it does move that runner up to third. Uh, Who is Ahmed Rosario was the runner who started at second base. Uh, Andres Jimenez hits into a fielder's choice. Uh, it's an infield play, and they gun um, Ahmed Rosario out at home plate. Then Oscar Gonzalez, Gonzalez draws a walk and loads the bases. Tyler Freeman comes up with the bases loaded and ground hits into a force out to end things. So, again, I mean, they get the runner to third this time. They, uh, they can't bring him in to score. They load the bases. In the 11th inning, and they just can't get that runner in to score. I mean, man, it was like, you know, it was like watching the the waves roll in, right? The breakers roll in. You just can't get past the huge waves, you know? Someone trying to get off the beach, and those big waves just keep crashing in and knocking you back to the beach. That's what it felt like for the Guardians' offense. They just couldn't get that run in. They were just... Huge waves crashing down on them, and they just could not advance any further and get that run in. Something was blocking us. Something was stopping us from scoring last night. Well, it didn't stop Seattle because in the top of the 11th inning, Classe goes in in a non-save situation, and first batter Mitch Hanniger lines a single uh, into the outfield. Where did he hit this thing? Doesn't matter. He lines one into... uh, into the outfield, uh, line drive to right field. That's right, right field. Oscar Gonzalez comes up throwing, but just is, doesn't take the time. Maybe, maybe if he takes another second to really lock onto the target, but he kind of throws it way up the third base line. It's not cut off, uh, and the runner is able to come in to score. If they cut the ball off, it would have been a really close play to be able to turn and throw that thing home. Would have been a really close play. I understand why they kind of let the ball go through, but the ball wasn't anywhere close to home plate. It was just, it was way up the line. So Gonzalez, who usually has a monster arm out there in right field, I, I trust in Gonzalez throwing out there in right field. 
Uh, he just rushes it just a little bit here. The 11th inning gets to him, and he throws it up the line. And Hanniger again is the hero. So that's what went down. If you fell asleep, that's what went down. I'm telling you, we had chances. We had so many opportunities to get this thing done. We 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 have the advantage in extra innings. The away team always has the advantage in this new format of extra innings with that runner on second base. And two innings in a row, we failed to bring him in to score. We just could not. Man, we could not hit with runners in scoring position. So they're able to get it done. And both bullpens, frankly, were fantastic. I looked up the numbers on Classe. Uh, when uh, in a tie game, now, it's not many at-bats. I mean, it's it's eight games he's gone into a tie game. It's 20 at-bats, but they are hitting 300 off him uh, with a 633 OPS. So they are hitting off him in tie games, and it's what we see all the time with closers. You bring them into a tie game, and suddenly they're just not themselves. Uh, when his team is ahead, he's got a 9.40 strikeout-to-walk ratio. When it's a tie game, it's only a 3.0 strikeout-to-walk ratio. He's only got three strikeouts in 22 plate appearances in a tie game situation. In extra innings, again, not so great in extra innings. It's only been six games, but he's got a 294 batting average against. Uh, he doesn't have an ERA because that runner at second is always considered an unearned run. So his ERA is actually zero, but he's given up uh, four runs in six games, in extra innings. It's not great. A 294 betting average against, a 627 OPS, only two strikeouts in extra innings. Uh, so, yeah, so extra innings without a save situation, it's just not It's just not there from Emmanuel Classe. So uh, it's, it's a typical thing we see from closers. For some reason, the mentality changes when it's not a save situation. I, I don't know what it is. A closer struggle. And he threw him a fastball. And Hanniger, we talked about this yesterday, hammers fastballs. He's a 297 hitter against fastballs. He's got a 594 slugging. Frankly, I wouldn't have given him anything but those sliders. Uh, I'm not giving Hanniger a fastball at all on this game. And he threw him a slider on the first one, and he missed with ball one. Uh, he missed with another cutter, so he was down in the count. 2-0. He missed in with a cutter, so he had to come back with another one, and he put it right in the middle of the plate. I mean, dead center middle of the plate. And it's no wonder that Hanniger is able to line this one into right field. He was patient. He sat back. He recognized this pitch was in the middle of the plate, and he shot it into right field at 106 mile per hour exit velocity. So it's a good at bat from Hanniger. Uh, if Klasse gets a, if he hits with that first slider, does he just stay with sliders the rest of the at bat? Honest to God. For the rest of the series, I'm not throwing Hanniger another fastball. I'm throwing him all off speed stuff. Now, he did hit a Trevor Steffen splitter earlier, which he sucks against off speed pitches. He's a 222 hitter against off speed pitches. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it's. Oh, man. It sucks. It really sucks. Um, but. Their bullpen was absolutely dominant. I told you there were a few names that you hadn't seen yet in their bullpen. Their bullpen comes in and just throws up shut four and two-thirds of shutout baseball, giving up one hit. Matt Brash, Paul Sewell gets the uh, eighth inning. Diego Castillo gets the ninth. Matthew Festa comes in for the tenth. And Penn Murphy comes in and gets the uh, gets the eleventh. 
Uh, they were walking, guys. They gave up a few walks. They just didn't give up any hits. Uh, meanwhile, our bullpen was also dominant. I mean, Karinchek comes in and does that eighth inning, the leadoff walk, and then strikes out the side. Trevor Steffen gives up two hits, but also has two strikeouts. Sandlin faces two batters. I'm sorry, three batters, a walk, and two strikeouts. Uh, and then Classe, unfortunately, the first batter he faces gives up a hit. No bullpen guy had given up a hard-hit ball until Classe gives up that single in the 11th inning. So both bullpens were absolutely dominant. They just, oh, man, we just couldn't get it done. It's frustrating. It is frustrating, but you got to admit, it at least was a good game. It was an exciting game, so much better than that Thursday uh, afternoon game. So it was tough. It had a playoff atmosphere to it. Uh, Seattle is throwing the promotions out there this weekend to pack T-Mobile Park. It's like Ichiro weekend. They had fireworks, so they really were doing everything they could to fill that ballpark and make it feel like a playoff atmosphere, and it absolutely did. Unfortunately, we come out on the losing end of it. So we still have a chance to salvage this series, but we got to go out there and win two in a row now. I think that covers all my notes. I think that's all my thoughts on the game. All right, MVP on the day. I, I we can't get you can, we can't stop talking about this game until we do MVP on the day. It's our signature segment, right? So, who are we going with on this one? Oh man, this is tough. I mean, Bieber was fantastic, but for the diving catch, for sacrificing his body, and then coming up and getting a leadoff hit to lead off the sixth inning. I have got to give MVP on the day to Stephen Kwan. For the heart, for the hustle, alone, Stephen Kwan was definitely the most valuable player on the field for the Guardians. So even though Bieber was at ace level with the nine strikeouts, Kwan has taken home MVP on the day. Coming up, we got another 10-10 start uh, in the Saturday night game. It's Plesak going against Castillo. And then uh, we get another afternoon action on Sunday, a 4-10 start. Uh, it's Savali going against Ray, and uh, that's going to be a tough matchup. I mean, Ray has been a really solid pitcher. Uh, so has Castillo for that point. I mean, they've Seattle has put together a really, really good pitching staff. That's how they're doing it. They're doing it. They're, they're taking the Cleveland bullpen, bull, uh, bullpen, the bull, blueprint. They're taking the Cleveland blueprint. They've put together a really, really ridiculously good pitching staff. They didn't draft these guys like Cleveland did. I mean, Cleveland did it through the draft. They did it a little bit through free agency, a little bit through trade, right? Getting Castillo, getting Robbie Ray. Uh, Logan Gilbert is one of their guys. Um, So, yeah, they really have done a good job of putting together a pitching staff. And we have our work cut out for us. We're going to face two good pitchers here to finish up this series. And I don't think you'd think Plesak and Savali are the top of our rotation. So I would say starting pitching, they definitely have the advantage for the next two nights. We'll see what our guys can do. Can they finally give Plesak some run support? Can Plesak finally, finally get another win? He's 2-11 on the season. Oof. This is not a season to remember for Zach Plesak. So we've got our work cut out for us. Uh, The other big piece of news... Uh, you know, it wasn't the game story, so I kind of buried the lead a little bit here. Julio Rodriguez signed one of the most massive contracts in sports history. 
it could keep him in Seattle. If everybody picks up their options, it could keep him in Seattle until like 2037. It's basically a career contract for Julio Rodriguez. And I'm not giving you specific numbers because who knows what this thing is eventually going to turn out to be. Like there's an initial eight years for a certain amount of money. Then there's a team option for like another seven or eight years. But there's also, if they decline that, there's a player option for like five years. Uh, so this thing could be anything when it's all said and done. It's it's weird that they make this you know career contract, but both sides leave themselves out at certain points in the contract. It's very bizarre, but this thing could be like north of four hundred million or something like that if everything gets picked up. Some of these things are based on where he ends up in MVP voting, right? If he is up there in MVP voting, then options automatically kick in. I mean, it's crazy. It really is one of the most unique contracts you will ever see. Jeff Passan tweeted out a lot of the details. Um, so Julio Rodriguez is going to be a Seattle Mariner for a long, long time. Is there a Guardians player that you would like to see get the Julio Rodriguez type contract? I mean, they believe in him because they think he's going to be a power and speed guy, right? They think he's a he's going to be a monster power hitter and steal bases. Basically, it's what we would have thought of Grady Sizemore. They he's basically their Grady Sizemore. You remember when Grady Sizemore came up in the mid two thousands? This guy was going to be. MVP caliber stuff for years. That's what we thought. And the injuries, playing center field just beat him up. I mean, this is this is Griffey. This is what they wish they would have given Griffey, right? The contract they wish they would have signed Griffey to back in the 90s before he leaves to go to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I, I feel like this contract is they've literally been waiting all this time to get a center fielder as good as Griffey was. And they think they have it in Julio Rodriguez, and they're not gonna make the same mistake. So I don't know. Is there a player right now on the Guardians? I mean, we did we did lock up Jose Ramirez. Uh, is this the kind of contract you wish they would have given Francisco Lindor when he was a rookie? I mean, Stephen Kwan is our best rookie right now. Do you want this contract for Stephen Kwan? He's not really the power hitter. He does it in a different way. But Kwan could be just as good as Julio Rodriguez. In fact, they're probably going to be one, two, three, maybe for the AL Rookie of the Year with with Rushman from the Baltimore thrown in there. And uh, yeah, so do you want Stephen Kwan to get a contract like this? Would you want Kwan to be a guardian for life? I, I kind of would. I mean, I, I don't know about a contract like this, but I would like him to be a guardian for life. Are they going to save a contract like this for George Valera, right? Or one of the shortstop, one of the star shortstops they have coming up through the system? Uh, Andres Jimenez, is he worthy of a contract like this? So it's an interesting question. I don't know... I don't know if there's anyone that's, well, it's not my money, so who cares? But I, yeah, I don't know if there's anyone, we're not conditioned to seeing contracts like this. So it's hard to even wrap your brain around a Guardians player getting a contract like this that would literally keep them here for, you know, the next 15 years. Uh, it's pretty crazy stuff. So congrats to Julio Rodriguez and his family, and it's it's huge. I mean, it's awesome that a team is able to lock up their star. Congratulations to the Seattle Mariners fans. I'm sure all their fan podcasts right now are going crazy talking about this contract. So that's the big, big off-field news going on was the Julio Rodriguez contract. All right, uh, we do have an email uh, from one of our good friends, Chris. I think Chris is from New Jersey, right? Uh, Chris uh, emails in, 
And uh, he says, I always appreciate being able to tune into Cleveland Baseball Mornings to hear your perspective, and especially after a nice Guardians win. So I'm guessing he emailed this in after listening to that San Diego Padres episode, not the Seattle episode from Friday morning. A couple of questions here. He says, do you feel like Luke Maley has earned the right to have more of an even split for playing time with Austin Hedge as a catcher? I don't think there's much of a drop-off, if any, defensively. And he's up to a 242, 329, 364 slash line at the plate. Good for a 693 OPS going into Friday night's game. So, yeah, he definitely sent this email after listening to our Thursday morning episode. So, uh, you know what I'll tell you, Chris, is forget those numbers. I don't care what his season numbers are right now. I want to know what the splits have been since the All-Star break. And since the All-Star break... He's a 364 hitter in 48 plate appearances. He's hitting 364. There's Luke Maley with a 417 on base with a 545 slugging, a 962 OPS since the All-Star break. Meanwhile, Austin Hedges is only hitting 207 since the All-Star break in 76 plate appearances. So it's kind of been a 2 to 1 ratio, right, for in favor of Hedges. A 207 hitter. A 347 on base, boasted by 10 walks since the All-Star break. A 293 slugging for a 640 OPS. So Hedges has actually gotten back to serviceable levels. That 347 on base, I will take it. If you're walking, fine. Whatever you're, you're not making outs. So if 10 walks, I'll take it from Austin Hedges. Uh, but Luke Maley has been offensively very, very good post-All-Star break. It's a little bit of what we thought we were getting coming into the season. So, yeah, I think Maley has definitely earned a little bit more of an even split. Uh, now, that what he does defensively, we can't, we can't take into account how the pitchers feel about who they're throwing to. If more of the starters just like throwing to Austin Hedges, then he's always going to have the leg up on playing time, right? It doesn't seem like that this year. It doesn't seem like someone's... Remember in years past, like, oh, this was my guy. Like, when it was Roberto Perez there. Like, there were certain guys that just loved throwing to Roberto Perez. Uh, it doesn't feel like necessarily that's the situation with Hedges and Maley. But, uh, yeah, I could see them start to get into a little bit more of an even split. If the pitchers, if the starting pitchers were okay with it, and they didn't mind who they were throwing to, I could see that. Because Maley has, I mean, this is exactly what we wanted at the trade deadline. We wanted another catcher to pair with Hedges who could hit. And that's exactly what Maley is doing. So, yeah, all you Bo Naylor fans out there that are waiting for that call-up, I don't think you're going to get it until September call-ups because both of these guys are hitting. They're, they're, they're doing their jobs right now. Hedges is calling great games, and he's getting on base. Maley is coming in and hitting being an offensive force as a catcher. So both guys are doing their jobs. So uh, moving on to Chris's second question, he says, with Nolan Jones optioned down at AAA Columbus, who do you think emerges and takes the opportunity for more at-bats over the final several weeks amongst the bench guys of Miller, Palacios, Freeman, and Benson? Or do you see Jones getting called back up again soon? I don't know if Jones gets called back up. I don't know what they're doing with Jones. Uh, they've got him playing right field down in Columbus. What does he need? Why isn't he working at first base? Why is it? I mean, unless they come out and tell us, look, we tried Nolan Jones at first base. He's been working on it, you know, in pregame warmups and stuff like that. And it's just not working. It's, he's just not a first baseman. Unless they come out and say that, 
Why the hell isn't Nolan Jones getting reps at first base? He DH'd twice. He played right field last night. Gabriel Arias is getting reps at first base. They're trying to bring him up as a first baseman, maybe. I could see that for a September call-up. I could see Arias and Jones coming back when the September call-ups happen. And Bo Naylor. Uh, frankly, though, Columbus has a chance to like win the... Uh, they're they're in 69 and 50. I'm I'm sure they're up there in the standings for the International League uh, for Triple A. So uh, I'm sure maybe they leave those guys down there to make a little bit of a playoff run. Uh, you know, sometimes they'll do that. If if a, if a an affiliate team has a chance, uh, they're in second place right now in the International League West behind Nashville, three and a half games behind Nashville. So I don't know exactly how the International League uh, playoffs work. But, uh, yeah, I would imagine if they have a chance to win something down there, they're going to let those guys play that out. Uh, but, yeah, I can see I can see a couple of these uh, AAA guys getting the call up, right, in September. As far as at-bats go right now, I mean, Miller's going to continue to get his at-bats splitting time at first base. Uh, Naylor just can't be out there every day playing first base. Palacio's going to get his opportunities as a pinch hitter. I think they're going to continue to work Freeman in around the infield and let those guys DH. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else, right? Ramirez DH last night. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else is DHing tonight. So Freeman's going to continue to get his opportunities that way. And Benson is still tied to Straw in center field, right? They keep giving Straw opportunities out there. I would love to see Benson get more playing time because of this in center field. So I honestly think it's going to be split amongst all these guys, Chris. I don't think any one guy is really going to come in and get those at-bats that Nolan Jones was getting. I think you're going to see Palacios continue to get used as a pinch hitter. I think you're going to get Freeman continue to be worked around the infield playing all three positions that he plays. And I think Benson is going to be splitting time with Straw in center field. And I don't think any of that changes because of Nolan Jones. Uh, the only one who gets more playing time, frankly, because Nolan Jones is Oscar Gonzalez. Gonzalez is going to be your easier everyday right fielder. There's no, there's no platoon or anything going on out there. He is it in right field. So uh, yeah, I mean, even though they've got other outfielders in Benson and Palacios on the roster, I, I don't see why when you're penciling in a lineup and you want to take Quan and Gonzalez out of that lineup. Right, those guys are playing every day, pretty much. So maybe on a Sunday, on a getaway day, you would rest a Gonzalez and put a Benson in right field or a Palacios out there, uh, in and maybe even in left. And Quan maybe getting a rep or two in center field. We'll see. I mean, Quan has been so good in left field. It'll be interesting to see if they ever move him off of that and play a little center field. So I think it's going to be evenly split around. And I don't think Nolan Jones is coming back anytime soon. I mean, we are getting close to September call up, so maybe. But I don't think he's getting brought back to the 26-man roster anytime soon. I They clearly want him to get everyday at-bats down there in Columbus. So we'll see who gets September call-ups. It'll be interesting to see uh, with Columbus, you know, in a position to maybe make the playoffs down there in AAA. So that's all my thoughts on this one. It's a Saturday morning, so we're going a little bit long. But that's all right. It was an exciting game. There was off-field news. We got a great email from Chris. So we went a little long today. We had some fun talking baseball. All right. Again, the final from Seattle. Yeah, the Mariners got us again. It's the Mariners 3, the Guardians 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Go ahead and make that nickname Evil Quan Evil blow up on Twitter. I tweeted it out 
when I saw the catch. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com, just like Chris did. Let me know your thoughts on the game, the team, on app, who should get more at-bats. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>